right with God. So if you are a first-time guest or if you've been away the past couple of weeks, we started out talking about man's total lack of righteousness before God and then God's gift of his righteousness to us. And today we're going to talk about how we receive God's gift of righteousness. On the back of your bulletin, you'll see our passage comes from Romans 3.27 to 4.25. I'm not going to read all of that. I'm going to read selected verses from Romans 4, which are listed there. And uh, for the note takers among us, I have uh, today's big idea principle. God initiates, man responds, and God acts based on man's response. That comes under the umbrella of God is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And how that applies in today's passage, specifically God called Abraham to believe his promises. Abraham said yes to God and trusted him enough to follow And God blessed Abraham's faith with the gift of righteousness. Now that sounds very simple, and it is. But if it was just that easy for everyone to grasp, we could just go go on home right now. But there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of misunderstanding, even among people who have sat in church for years. So today, rather than diving really, really, really deep, I decided, based on as I prayed over this, we're going to go broad big picture very big picture so it will do one of two things if you don't have that hopefully it will give that to you and if you do have that it will refresh your memory and help you with the third c communicating the gospel to somebody else so there's something in here for everybody i hope So now at this time, I'm going to read from Romans 4, beginning with the first verse. So you may uh, follow along up on the screen. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Niagara Falls, how many of you have ever been there? 
quite a few. What an impressive place there, straddling the border between Ontario and New York. And, and you're there and you're looking over the railing and the, the mist, the, just continuously the spray just wets your face. And uh, if you put on one of those cheap plastic ponchos and rode the Maid of the Mist, and you stood there and you just listened to the roar as 600,000 gallons of water per second drop 167 feet down the Horseshoe Falls, the most famous of the three falls which collectively make up Niagara Falls. And, and because of this massive water, 600,000 gallons of water dropping 167 feet every second, it, it creates this permanent mist at the bottom. And it is just an amazing expression of God's handiwork. And so you, you know how powerful this is. Now, I want you to imagine that somebody goes out on the Niagara River in a canoe. And maybe it was carelessness or, or maybe it was daredevil stupidity. But they go out on the Niagara River and, and they suddenly realize as they hear the roar that they're getting closer and closer to the falls and they begin to think, oh brother, where art thou? I'm in a tight spot. I'm in a real tight spot. And they begin to wonder, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. And then suddenly this canoeist hears the most wonderful sound in the world, a helicopter overhead. And the pilot calls out, do you want to be rescued? And the guy in the canoe first thinks, I can, I can make it myself. You know, because when I was growing up, I went to church every summer. I mean, as a kid, I went to VBS. And in middle high, I went to mix. And as a senior high, I went to move. Uh, and, and my granny was a missionary to China for 25 years. And I, I got this. And then he realizes, wait, none of those things can help me now. And the pilot calls out again, do you want to be rescued? And this time, pride gets pushed aside by desperation. And the, and the canoeist calls up, yes, I want to be saved. And so immediately the pilot drops a rope. And this guy, he grabs hold with a death grip. I mean, the jaws of life could not pry his hands loose from this rope. And it pulls him on up as the now empty canoe was swept over the falls. And the man is just shaking. And he gets pulled inside the helicopter. And then a few minutes later, they sit on the ground. Now imagine a news reporter coming. Because, I mean, this is attracting a lot of attention. And the news reporter comes up and interviews this guy. And the man who was rescued and the pilot, is they're right next to each other. And I sir, you must just be, be so thankful to be alive. You, you must be just so thankful. He goes, ah, oh, man, I, you know, I am just so proud of myself. I mean, you see my shirt here? It says, warning. You can go blind from my pure awesomeness. You see, my shirt 
this shirt. I mean, the space shuttle could have seen it from outer space. I mean, the pilot, of course, he could see me wearing my shirt. And and uh, did you see how I paddled just right underneath where he was? And, and did you see how when he dropped the rope, I mean, I held on. My hands never moved once. I mean, I'm talented. I'm smart. I'm skillful. Now, if you were that helicopter pilot, what would you be thinking? I know what I'd be thinking. If I was that helicopter pilot, I'd be thinking of some words I would not want my mama to hear. My gosh, look at what happened. Did this man call 911? No. The helicopter just appeared. Did he have to paddle his canoe to a certain spot? No, the helicopter maneuvered right above him. Did he have to develop a makeshift rope? Did he have to, to be like MacGyver and take a matchstick and a shoelace and somehow make a rope and throw it up to the helicopter? No, it came right down to him and he caught on to it and it lifted him up. And what audacity if this canoeist was to brag about how wonderful he is. We'd think that's just crazy. And the Apostle Paul apparently agrees. Because in the end of Romans 3 and the beginning of Romans and throughout Romans 4, Paul talks about how ridiculous it is for you and me to be bragging about ourselves in the salvation saga. For us to be bragging about how wonderful we are instead of bragging about how wonderful God is. So our question of the day is, well, what, how do we receive God's gift of righteousness? What role do we play? You know, what needs to happen so that when God looks at us, God looks at us as if we are righteous. He looks at us and says, I declare you not guilty of sin. How does that work? How does that happen? And Paul uses Abraham as the prime example to answer these questions. He says Abraham is justified by faith, not by his works. Abraham was not justified through obedience to the law. He was justified by his faith in God. And because of his faith in God, it was credited to him as righteousness. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. Because if obedience to the law somehow could make you and me right with God, then what do we need faith for? If somehow based on, on our works that we could be good enough, that we could go around blinding the world with our pure awesomeness, then what do we need Jesus for? And yet, so often as Christians, we still feel like we need to earn God's favor. I mean, imagine that you're a locksmith. It's hot 
102 degrees. The kind of day that you go outside and it's humid. You know, you feel like you're on the inside of a dog's mouth. I mean, one of those nasty days. The inside, your family's home for the first time in a long time. And your favorite movie's on TV. And you're enjoying the air-conditioned comfort of your castle. And you get a phone call that somebody has locked their keys out of their car on the other side of the county. Would you leave the air-conditioned comfort of your castle, drive all the way to the other side of the county on this nasty day when you feel like you're inside of a dog's mouth, only if you knew ahead of time, if you had this knowledge of the future, if you knew ahead of time that when you got there, that this person's doors would just suddenly pop open simply because he's a nice guy and he goes to church every Sunday and uh, he takes in stray animals. It's like, now that's just dumb. Now you think about what Jesus did. Jesus did more than just be inconvenienced like this hypothetical locksmith. Jesus left heaven. All the glory and perfection of heaven. He comes to earth. And He's more than inconvenienced. He's betrayed. He's rejected. He is beaten. He is crucified. And He is buried. Now why would Jesus go through all of that knowing ahead of time knowing ahead of time that he didn't have to because because of man's pure awesomeness we didn't need his help i would have to say jesus you're a real nice guy but what a great big fool See, Jesus is no fool. And He's more than a nice guy. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And He came because He knew we couldn't do it. He knew that we could not unlock our locked car doors on our own. He knew that we were in a canoe headed over Niagara Falls and unless a helicopter showed up and dropped a rope down, we were in trouble. And yet, so often we still think Jesus is optional equipment. He's add-on. I can do this myself. Really? Really? then what do we need Christmas for? What do we need Good Friday for? What do we need Easter for? If we can do this ourselves. I said at the beginning that this is a very simple concept, but it is not easy. Because it's, still, it's hard for us to come to terms with this. Uh, in, my, in my previous church, I dealt with 40 funerals in three years. 
So I want you to believe me when I tell you that in my day I have heard a lot of bad theology at funeral homes. Now, people who go to funeral homes as a general rule are very nice people, very caring people. They're there to comfort the family. They mean well. I get that. But how many times, let's suppose Sally Saint passes away age 99. A wonderful lady. Everybody loves her. She did more good than anybody except Mother Teresa. And, and everybody just, whoa, just, I mean, she taught school for 100 years and all, uh, all that. And, and it, just a wonderful lady. And so people gather around her casket and they say, you know, if Sally Saint didn't make it, none of the rest of us have a snowball's chance in Florida making it. That's right. If she's not there, none of us are going to make it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, no, that's not right. I understand the well-intentioned thought behind that statement, but it's very bad theology. It's not true based on what God says in His Word. And Paul says, you know, don't sit around thinking, well, if Abraham didn't make it, then none of the rest of us have a chance. It's not based on obedience to the law. I, I, it just puzzles me how I've heard over the years, and I haven't heard you say it, so I'm not talking about you, I'm um, but... Are you, are, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. I hope I've done enough good. Where do we go wrong in communicating the gospel? Where do we go wrong in teaching and preaching and, and leading where people think that, that, that you, if you put your, your good deeds on one side and the bad deeds on the other, and as long as the good outweighs the bad, ding, 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 the pearly gates swing open and in you go. Paul's saying that's not what happened with Abraham. And if anybody had way more good deeds than bad, it'd be Abraham. But that's not why he's in heaven. And that's not how you and I get righteous and, and have that assurance of eternal salvation. It's not because of our good deeds. And if Sally Saint is up there, it's not because of all her good deeds either. What does God's Word say? In Romans 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Period. Abraham believed God. He trusted God. He, he, it was more than just, I believe in God. I believe that there is a higher power. It was beyond that. I, I trust you. I put my faith in you. I stake my life on you. And God credited that to him as righteousness. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, if you work, wages are... Not a gift, they're an obligation. But to the one who does not work, 
but trust God who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited as righteousness. So on the the back of your bulletin, you've got the, the big idea. God, man, God. So what did God do? God called Abraham to believe his promises. So what did Abraham do? Abraham said yes. At the age of 75, he left his home, packed up his family, all his stuff, and he left home. And he followed God. Did he know where he was going? God didn't say. He said, follow me. And God said, I will make you the father of many nations. Abraham is 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90 years old. And still he believed that he would be the father of many nations. God said, you will be the father of many nations through a biological son of your own. It was just as crazy back then as it would be today. But I think God waited that long so that there would be no other doubt. Only by the power and grace of God could that happen. And he trusted him. He believed him. Now, was Abraham perfect in his, his, his trust? Was there ever a moment when... when was, did he never doubt? No, he did doubt. I mean, Ishmael entered the picture with uh, Hagar because of of, uh, doubt. Uh, It wasn't perfect. But he's still with his occasional doubts because he's human. And with our occasional doubts and our occasional fears because we're human, God takes all that into consideration. He says, but you still kept going with me anyway. And that's what God looks at. God doesn't say, don't be scared. Come with me anyway. Even when you doubt, come with me anyway. That's what Abraham did. And so God blessed Abraham's faith with the gift of righteousness. It was because of his faith, because of his trust. Not because his good deeds outweighed his bad deeds. But yet we still... Have trouble believing this. It just it seems too good to be true. Because Abraham believed, that's all it took for him to be credited with righteousness. Yeah. You mean so so after Abraham came to faith in God, he didn't have to go out and donate both of his kidneys to get right with God. No. It's impossible. There's nothing left to earn. We can't earn it. Jesus is the only one who could earn it. He's the one who paid it. You mean so so Abraham didn't have to memorize the entire Bible and take a vow of poverty or anything else? He didn't have to crawl uphill through broken glass? No. There are no more hoops to jump through. There's no fine print at the bottom. Believe. Accept it. And the righteousness is yours. 
who credited Abraham's account? God. And God must shake his head, not in anger, but just children. Because we run around trying so hard to earn what's already been given to us as a gift. It's already in our hands. And besides that, I want to ask you this. How can we credit our own account when it is God who keeps the master ledger? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.